And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, June 11th, 2022, 12.04 p.m., episode 127. Yeah, that's right. That's why I put it right back there. <laughs> We're back. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. The best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us. As we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, I am Colin. And I am Donovan. And I forgot to mention that we are your hosts. We are the hosts. I was so impressed with myself. It's, no, you it's been it. over a month, dude, and I just slayed that. You crushed it. And y'all should get used to that because, or don't get used to that, because this is the last time we're going to do that intro. We've got a new intro in the works. And so it'll be really fun. So look forward to that next month. Yep. This is our first show back. Ooh. We've been out a month or six weeks or something. Something like that. Celebrating the, band, the brand new baby. Welcome salt baby number two. Salt baby number two. Baby reason. Mm. Oh, man. So what are we talking about on today's episode, Donovan? So we have a great episode going on. And this, so we'll explain <laughs> these things further in detail as right. we get deeper in the show. This was billed, as everyone remembers. As everyone will remember, as, everyone as the will women remember. and children's show, and yeah. it's, it's still going to be that, right? We, I had a whole grand plan here that <laughs> fell apart as the weeks as the weeks went on. It was like a last minute deal. Yes, we were had initially planned to have two guests on here um, that both declined to be on for different reasons, and we'll kind of talk about those things as we go later on. Um, but. We're still going to talk about some of the stuff that we intended to talk about. So mm -hmm. in part one, of course, we have some local stories. I have some really funny things. I have one very random thing and then some good things that, of course, are very freedom-based freedom that will, in fact, impact your liberty. Yeah. That's what we do here. Uh, in part number two, we're going to, going to be discussing the leaked draft opinion regarding Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court and the implications and the opinions and things like that i told you i saw a commercial from when i was watching cable that literally made it sound like abortion was already illegal across the entire country right and only at the very end mentioned that oh you know a leaked draft opinion yeah it was not good so so we'll be discussing that and in part three we'll be discussing the school shooting in uvalde texas and the horrific takes uh about the gun debate that have come out after that some gun control things obviously we're breaking into all that the second amendment is an enormous enormous theme here on salt of the streets we'll be just discussing some of those things including a new bill passed i believe it was one bill with several different statutes passed out of new yeah, york it's like an omnibus jo joint body armor increase the ages of on assault weapons so i did in fact Ooh. bring my kit today so that we can talk about and i can show you exactly what it requires to be qualified to wear this body armor qualified it's, it's, it's much simpler than you think it is. So we'll, we'll go over that in uh, in part three. And then part four, we have some grab bag topics. Uh, we have lots of random things. We have uh, someone who was going to try and kill Judge Kavanaugh relating to part two and three. Um, you on Twitter, the January 6th public committee, though they are the committee, they had their public hearings uh, kicked off this week. Yeah. So yes, Thursday. Thursday, night. yes. And then we have prime the second, time. That's right. Prime time uh, produced by, was one of the producers from Good Morning America. Correct. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think he used to work there, if I recall correctly. He's like, still uh, not good. Yeah. He's, he's a tev television producer, though, which 
just, good. It says a lot. Why does why does the legislative branch need a television producer there to help them lay out their case for what is supposedly so obviously an insurrection, an obvious attempt to overthrow our democracy? Why would yeah. we need a television producer to help us lay out that story if it's so obvious? So obvious. So we'll be discussing those things. And um, I'm just realizing now I left my uh, my work notes, my paper notes out in the truck, I think. I'm going to have to run out in between segments. And that's okay. That that's one. okay. That's why we take the breaks. So that is it. Yeah. So those, that's what we'll talk about today. Yeah. We have three minute breaks in between each part. And, uh, excuse me. It's, uh, going to be great. Fucking A. So we were talking before about mattress store, right? When I yeah. used to work at the mattress store and you bought your mattress from a place called Sleepies. Sleepies. And they had a similar logo. And I worked at It's Bedtime, which is no longer a company. And the logo that they had was three bears in a bed together it was like a mama bear a baby bear and a papa bear all oh yeah like i remember in in one bed together and when i was working there they told me a story that someone called one time to complain about their logo and was disturbed at the insinuations that their logo presented of you know animals in bed together and they're like <laughs> trying to understand what this woman is saying and she's not able to even really articulate what she's upset about because there is nothing to be upset about no. she's trying to draw a very they're all all of the bears are in clothing like they're all in, in pajamas they all have pajama hats on like yeah she was very was adorable very, very upset about the insinuations of bestiality um oh uh, bestiality. yes yes because they're all sleeping together in a bed that these you know we're insinuating that the animals are are having sex together and then <laughs> even though it's evidently a mama bear a baby bear and a papa bear they're quite evidently a family dude that it's definitely terrific. says way more about her than that's, it does about yes. the logo. It was a, yeah and that's what they're like it was a fairly long conversation because they were just trying to understand what she was actually what are upset you talking about. about she was not able to articulate it so. oh my god yeah so yeah, those the off-gassing of mattresses right. and stuff like that we were right. talking about. It's such a weird concept when you think with all the new kind of foam technology and mattresses and stuff. It's like a thing you got to keep an eye out because you, you open those things up and you're like, oh, what is that? Oh, just sweet lady cancer. Yeah, That's what that smells yeah, like. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although I'm not going to lie, I do want to get me one of them, uh, them box mattresses. The mail order shows up in a box. You cut it open and it just unfolds. And Which one? Uh, which company i'm thinking i would want to get the oh my gosh the jeff bezos mattress is it uh, a thread tuft and tuft and needle i think is what it's called i have no idea yeah there's, there's an amazon now. brand and oh, okay. it's uh slightly cheaper than like the, the ghost mattress is wicked expensive and then there's a couple other ones that are not too bad but that one's like the best deal and it looks like it's got great reviews and stuff but that's what i want to get i want to get me one of them jams and make me a nice new bed frame and stuff you could see in the studio, I have my old bed frame uh, off to the side here off camera because we took that apart and we're doing something different. You're going to give Bezos more money, huh? <sighs> I already gave him so much money. All I give him money. all my money anyways. Does. It's just so convenient, but also f Jeff Bezos. That's right. Hola, William Wallace. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, sir. Um, oh, shout out Will Wallace. He was, uh, he left, or we, he was talking to, to me this morning about uh, yesterday's beer show video. Okay. And I'm, I was having like this problem recently about trying to be able to show, you know, a nice close up high quality picture of like what the beer looks like up close. He's like, bro, just get like a little underlight. They make special coasters for them like that. That's a fucking great idea. Genius. Shout out Will Wallace, bro. Genius William Wallace. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're getting a half a percent cut in future your show things. Hey, careful, bro. Half a percent <laughs> cut uh, of an undetermined amount of time. That's right. That's right. We'll so we'll talk about what your cut is in the future. Mm-hmm. You'll be involved somehow. You're in. You're under contract, yeah. though. We got you. We got you. <laughs> so let me ask you this, right? I was watching Timcast this morning, the episode from last night, because of course I had to hear our name mm-hmm. said. So again, indeed, shout out, shout out Timcast. It's very nice. Um, and I was listening to something that what is her name? Libby Emmons. Libby right? Emmons. That's her name, right? Yep. So, and they were talking about protests and the different ways that the left and the right fight for their rights, mm-hmm. right? And how the different adversity that they come after, and the conservatives don't fight as hard and stuff like that. And I was just thinking. So this is a very rough question because it was just from this morning. But she was talking about how conservatives and the people on the right needed to fight harder um in different ways and uh, okay so the example she was giving was live and let die right for too long they have given this live and let die way of like well i don't care if i don't agree with you but you know go ahead and do your own thing and Mm -hmm. she what i took from what she was saying is that that has led to the chipping away of the rights that we're continually fighting for and arguing for right yeah and it didn't sound to me like she was giving a lot of advice or examples of things that they should do just saying kind of they shouldn't be doing this anymore mm-hmm. um and so i don't know if you remember that part of the conversation not really um but so i was wondering what your take was on that if you think that that's true um and she also talks about some of the things about how they because people on the left have begun to be increasingly in positions of power mm-hmm. uh when people on the right do protest and fight for their rights they often get more pushback from the establishment uh, than people on the left do. And I think just, so just going off of that and not remembering the specific conversation, I feel like I've heard her talk about that before. And I think really what, what's being described is like a, the right in general is not very good at activism. Um, Even the activists that they do have can be kind of, you know, they're generally like in the pro-life arena and stuff like that. And they can be very unapproachable. Yeah. if you will. Um, but other than that, I think in general, yeah, the right's always kind of generally had a problem with on-the-ground activism, getting getting popularized, popularizing movements, if you will. I, I think they've always been bad at that, and they, they've always been bad at, like, voter outreach and all these types of things. So all the specific issues that they might be trying to push, they're just, generally speaking just bad at it I, yeah. I just don't think you know it's and it lends itself to the type of person that would consider themselves a conservative i think compared to you know somebody right. who's more left they're much more open socially and are willing to go out there and beat the pavement and just have random conversations with people and they're much more agreeable most of the time so they're you know they it just lends themselves to a to a better larger activist crowd in my mind and so i don't i don't necessarily agree with her if that's her line of thinking and yeah, I mean, it would be, I think it is getting better now. I think it's probably the best it's been in a very long time as far as, for lack of a better term, right-wing activism, right. conservative activism. But it's still, you know, we're not having pussy marches with hundreds of thousands of people where the right. left can do that just by dropping a line on Twitter and then boom, it's out in the streets and protests and the right doesn't do that very well. And I think it just lines up more naturally with the ideology, which yeah. maybe falls into kind of what she's talking about, that if, you, if you're if you a conservative, then you're going to come from a more 
conservative place, obviously, yeah. right? So if you're coming from a more libertarian mindset, then you don't want other people to necessarily change their mind. You're not trying to change their mind. You yeah. just want them to not be infringing on what you want to do. Yeah. So the whole approach doesn't necessarily fit to even what your goals are as a conservative, right? Yeah, it's, so, it's like the difference between somebody trying to get trying to push a change in society versus somebody that's basically just wanting society to be, you know, to be left alone. Right. Um, a, a better way to put that's probably the left is generally trying to get people to do something and the right is generally getting people to like leave them alone. Yeah. And I think that's probably, yeah, they're just, it doesn't work very well on that side. It's hard it's, to have a protest where the message is "leave us alone." Yeah, <laughs> that's, really? a, that's a weird protest to have. Right? Imagine those signs. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it's not just a bunch of Gadsden flags, I don't know what you're doing. But yeah, yeah that's just a, a bunch weird of signs deal. that say "fuck off." Yeah. That's just all the signs say. "Fuck just, off." Yeah, just fuck, fuck off. off. That's it. God, that would be pretty funny. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'm into it. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for joining us and uh, remind you, obviously, we are here at our YouTube.com slash Salt of the Streets. We also have our Patreon, our Facebook, our Instagram, everything at Salt of the Streets, saltofthestreets.com for all of this information. We also have our personal social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram and Collins at Big Bird Off. You on both of those things. Again, you can find all this at saltofthestreets.com. Go to our Patreon, sign up, help us make more better content, content. become a patron. I want to thank Swell Blended for this beautiful, beautiful haircut. If you are in the local area, in the Kitsap County area, go there. Go to his website. Go get a haircut from him. Stop being stupid. Quit uh -huh. wasting your own time. Leggings and aprons on Instagram for cakes and everything like that. She is getting ready to open those books back up pretty soon. That'll be cool. Lexi Kyle on Twitch. And, of course, location, skate shop in downtown Bremerton if you need anything. Um, speaking of the Patreon, we have all kinds of stuff going on. We have the book club, obviously. We missed the first live stream back. But don't worry, next Thursday we will be back. Um, at the beginning of next month, we will have a whole new review preview. We have the newsletters that just came out, right? There's one uh -huh. that comes out every month, the last day of the month. So go there, check those out. Only $5 a month. It's all it takes to get you that newsletter. Five bones, bro. It's a beautiful thing. Five bones. So first we're here. Uh, let's go with the crazy one. Let's go with the crazy one. Yeah. So I can send you this article here in Signal if you would like. Oh, yeah. I should probably open up Signal. Hey, -o. Excuse me. See, this is this particular article is Fox 13 Seattle, so I will send this to you, and then we can talk about it. Salt Boys, boom. Salt Boys. Okay, done. Hopefully, so, show up. Auburn fraudsters who fled town to avoid court sentenced to prison fined more than $60 million. What? Uh, yeah, this is just as I was finding local stories. This is just one that <laughs> they came across. I just, it's such a ludicrous <laughs> amount of money. It's like, uh, that is a ton of money. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a ridiculous amount of money. So, oh, do I got to reinstall Signal? Wow. I'm going to murder somebody. I'm telling you, bro, I love Signal, but the PC app is buggy, glitchy, no and... Every other time you open it, you got to uninstall it and redo it again. And I haven't had to uninstall and reinstall, but I do have to update frequently. That is for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's interesting. Well, we're going to, it should only take about 30 seconds. Yeah, we'll watch no it. No problem. So I'll just go ahead and start to read this article. The Seattle U.S. District Court on Monday sentenced Bernard Ross Hansen to 11 years and Diane Renee Erdman to five years. Announced U.S. Attorney Nick Brown. The two were convicted on July 2021 and were originally slated to be sentenced April 29th, but fled their home in Auburn and left town. Ooh. Yeah, they were arrested in Port Townsend. Um, oh, God, I remember this now. Yes, yeah. following an 11-day okay. manhunt, they had bought a new vehicle and three loaded guns. The two were found guilty of defrauding thousands of customers of more than $30 million through Hanson's bankrupt company, Northwest Territorial Mint. 
According to court documents, NWTM was the business of manufacturing medallions and awards, as well as buying, selling, exchanging, storing, and leasing precious metals like gold and silver. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering how it got so high, yes. why, why the amount was so much. Now I know. Mr. Precious metals will go a long way. Mr. Hansen and Miss Erdman defrauded more than 3,000 people of some $30 million. Damn. Money, yeah, that's wild. Money that represents the victims' plans and dreams, retirement, college funds, and inheritances, says U.S. Attorney Nick Brown. And it's heartbreaking to hear how the fraud up in their lives left them working longer, harder, and in deep stress to try to recover the impact of this fraud goes beyond the significance of dollar figure. I love... Damn. Not that it's not tragic, but it's just the the flowery language and all. I don't know. It's just funny. Um, but that's all. This is... It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And that that's, you know, when, especially with... We just had Ivan on not too long ago. He's talking about gold and all those things. So, it's a... It's a ridiculous amount of money for someone to have stolen from someone else. Oh, yeah, dude. That's so. like... I don't want to say Madoff levels, but I mean, that's like small-time Madoff levels. Right. Yes, yeah, you know, exactly. At Bernie Madoff. Dude, have you ever listened to that? Uh, it's on Audible. It's an Audible original. It's a whole little mini-series about the Bernie Madoff scandal. No. Oh, my God. It's so good. I've never really fucked with Audible before. Oh, but... I've listened to audiobooks before, but never through Audible. <laughs> so. Judgment. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm like a shill for Audible, man. I've been on the Audible kick since well before it was popularized i mean yeah. it was back when i was working at benick the first time so we're probably talking five six years ago i've been into right. the audible game it's i got like 300 titles on there man i got tons yeah i so like you might have to send me that link again. no that's okay that's all that it was we can move on to the next door this king one, five this one actually has more to do with everything else so um i do want to say hello to shannon thank you she's here from irl so thank you thank you again for everybody who subscribed last night who's Woo! here who's joining us thank you everyone so now we'll get into one of the real stories we have going on here. Um, this one, like you said, is from King Five, which is one of the local news companies here mm -hmm. out of Seattle. The U.S. Supreme Court rules against owner of notorious hotel in Blaine. Blaine is a town in Washington. Obviously, it is right on the border of Canada. Um, right on the yeah, it's like right <laughs> on the border. Yes. <laughs> yes freedom. freedom yeah we make way too many way too many references to Willie Wallace it's, well you know it's if the shoe you know, fits <laughs> like he has to just get it every day especially working with you I can't oh, imagine yeah. how he does it I don't think we went a whole day without me hit, giving him a freedom line at some point yeah you know That's asking right. him where his kilt's at today you know that kind of stuff God. you gonna paint your face blue or what's up buddy does he have long <laughs> hair I am William Wallace no no he's no. a he's a short hair guy yeah. William Wallace, you are blowing an opportunity right now. You've <laughs> got to grow the mane. Do you think you could do it? It's, I man, I don't know. I can't, I'm trying to envision William Wallace in like the lion's mane. Would that is brave hearts. Does he have a full head of hair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. short. Yeah, he just keeps then short. You know, old military dude, military yeah. cut. Then go for it, William Wallace. Do it, yeah, bro. You've got to do, do it. it. You've got time. It's. I'm telling you. I think I've been going on a year to cut my hair. It's worth it. Okay. Now we can get to this story. <laughs> it's too much. Okay. Oh, this hotel, this bed and breakfast, this inn—it's called the Smuggler's Inn. It's on the. It's on the border of Canada, right? It's so yeah, much on the border of Canada on? that the border actually runs on his property, and he has a line of rocks that draws out where it is. So, obviously, they're. That's the, yeah, that's right, because that's the border that is just the line of rocks. There's it's, nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. just a line of rocks. So 
There's a history of, we'll read this article a little bit, and then we'll talk about it. Washington, the Supreme Court on Wednesday limited when people can sue federal officials for violation of their rights, siding with the government in a case involving the owner of a notorious inn on the U.S.-Canada border. The justices said that the owner of the smugglers inn, Robert Bull, <coughs> excuse me, can't sue a border agent over a confrontation at his inn where he said the agent shoved him and then retaliated against him when he complained that the man had used excessive force. It's the latest in a line of cases narrowing the public's ability to sue federal officials for rights violations. Violations. Mm. So, this is another, we'll go into this a little bit more. This is another example, again, limiting, City so can do awake that. <laughs> another example limiting the times in which you can sue a federal agent for infringing your constitutional rights. Okay? Because it's found in this case, they did in fact infringe on his constitutional rights. Those things did happen. Yeah. But he doesn't have the right to sue them unless Congress says that it's okay first. And that's what Clarence Thomas wrote as an opinion here. So, um, We'll move on. The justice said the owner of the smugglers and Robert Bull can't sue a border patrol agent. I just read this. Congress is a better is better positioned to create remedies in the border security context, and the government already has provided alternative remedies that protect plaintiffs like Bull, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote. Thomas wrote that the court's cases have made it clear in all but the most unusual circumstances, creating the ability to sue is a job for Congress. And that seems so I'm I'm no constitutional scholar, right? But it doesn't makes sense to me um in in what i've read here and the other research that i did in any justification especially after it's ruled that you can in fact sue a federal agent for infringing your constitutional rights that we're just going to narrow the reasons that you can do it if someone breaks into your home and they assault you don't break into right so let me i got to contextualize quickly if they come into you to your business and they assault you and in the story that I originally heard, they took documents from him. And that's how they found out that the person who was staying there was an illegal immigrant. In this particular article, it just says that the Border Patrol agent figured out that they were illegal. So mm. I don't know how they did that. Um, but that, Magic. That's what comes into like the search and seizure thing is that they, they got documents from his residence that show, or from this business that showed that the person was an illegal immigrant. That's so weird. So I don't... This does this isn't good. No. Right? And the biggest concern, I can't even say the biggest concern that I have here, it concerns me that we're continuing to see cases that give the authorities in different definitions, different avenues, hmm. more power over you. More powers to infringe on your rights, to do things to you, and you can't do anything about it unless Congress says that it's okay. Yeah. But if all of these powers are aligned, right, and that's what the kind of what they were talking about, Tim Tim Cast last night, is all these different powers being aligned that even if they're not actively working together, if they're all aligned ideologically, then they are inherently working together because they are all working towards the same common goal. Yeah. So even if they're not being directed to do these things, the fact that they're being given more power to infringe on your rights and it's being done under currently a Congress that falls under the same ideology as the Biden administration, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see these as added protections for more and more agents of the state. Because yes. that's really what they're talking about is in, is suing the individual border patrol officer for infringing on his rights. Because otherwise, you have to sue the U.S. government for inf for that one individual, which is a way be, bigger job, which is a mass and a very large undertaking that most people can't do. Versus your average citizen can sue another person for infringing on their rights. But if that person is acting as an agent of the state, then I feel like yeah, it, legally you. You'd be suing the U.S. government or the state government or whatever the whatever the the 
the arm of the state that they're dealing with. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I and mean, we'll talk about that in the next story too a little bit with these various overreaches I think in authority and um I think really what they're doing at, at this point is they're finding kind of chinks in the armor, little weak spots in various arms of the state and their enforcement. And then as soon as somebody has even like a chance to to break in legally so they can start to fight against them and, and get some of their own rights back, they're trying to they're find that hole and they're trying to plug it. Right. And they say, well, you know, you have to do it because they're the power of the executive. Yeah. And that's all that it's doing, even if that's not the goal, you know, because it's difficult. I don't know. I don't know Clarence Thomas as an individual. Right. But supposedly he's very conservative. So I have a hard time thinking that in his mind, it's best that we concentrate more power to the executive. But even if that's not your end goal, that's what you're doing. That's what's doing here is that you're, again, narrowing the circumstances in which you can sue somebody who is actively infringing on your constitutional rights, where if they were doing it as a private citizen, you could definitely sue the shit out of them and you'd probably win. Yeah. But now, because they have a badge, because they work for the state, you can't touch them, right? There's another example in here. We'll still read this article a little bit more. the high court said in 1971 that people could sue federal officials for violating their constitutional rights. But over the last 40 years, the court has consistently declined to expand these kinds of cases called Bivens actions after the 1971 case in which a person could sue. Most recently, in a case in 2020, the justices told parents of a teenager killed in Mexico by a U.S. Border Patrol agent who fired across the border that they couldn't sue. Thomas said the original 1971 case would likely come out differently today, but the court's current case didn't require the court to reconsider it. So I actually have the article that they link to, and it's an article from the AP, and I will send this to you as well. And it's the court closes courthouse doors on slain Mexican teens family. That's rough. Yes. Yeah, I remember when that happened. That was a a while back. So this is from the AP. Yep, Washington. The Supreme Court ruled 5-4 Tuesday to close the courthouse doors on parents of a Mexican teenager who was shot dead over the border by an American agent. The court's five conservative justices held that parents could not sue American courts, could not use American American courts to sue Border Patrol agent Jesus Mesa Jr., who killed their unarmed 15-year-old son in 2010. Mesa was on U.S. soil in Texas when he fired the fatal shot. Justice Samuel Alito wrote for the court that the case is tragic, but that the border security, strong border security and international relations issues led to the ruling against the parents of Sergio Adrian Hernandez Gareca. Since regulating the conduct of agents at the border unquestionably has national security implications, the risk of undermining border security provides reasons to hesitate about allowing the the parents to sue in American courts, Alito wrote. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, writing for her liberal colleagues, disagreed, saying the parents' lawsuit does not endanger border security or U.S. foreign policy. Mexico's Foreign Relations Department said in a statement Tuesday it regretted the Supreme Court ruling. Tuesday's outcome also is certain to doom lawsuit to doom a lawsuit filed by the parents of a teenager killed in Nogales, Mexico, from gunshots fired across the border by a U.S. agent who was standing in Arizona. The case has been on hold. The case tested a half-century-old Supreme Court decision that allows people to sue federal agents for constitutional violations. Over the years, the courts have made it harder to bring claims known as Bivens actions after the name of the high court case. Ginsburg wrote that, quote, It is all too apparent that to redress injuries like the one suffered here, it is Bivens or nothing. I resist the conclusion that nothing is the answer required in this case. So let's take a stop there, right? What other avenues do they have if they can't use an American court to sue this federal agent? Then there is nothing. Their son dies Mm -hmm. from somebody who shot. And I don't know the exact. I would have to do more research on this particular case, right, before I can. So we have to just kind of use it as a loose example. But your, your son is murdered by a federal agent. 
and you don't have the ability, even I guess this is this is a little bit different because they are in Mexico. They're not American yeah, citizens. It right? seems like the major complicating factor there. Certainly. Um, I then I think that that hits harder on her point that that is the only option that they have is this Bivens yeah. claim. The only thing that they can is try to use American courts to sue them because what what else are you gonna do? Option is there? Yeah, Mexico so, doesn't have jurisdiction over uh, the border patrol. Yeah, I I would. I am curious how it would be if it was if it was American citizen if they could do the same thing right mm-hmm. um, if the same decision would be made that they could not sue on this Bivens claim against a federal agent I don't know mm-hmm. again I'm not a constitutional scholar so I can't answer that question but that's a because that, that's a big international type of question I mean that's if if somebody if a citizen from one side kills a citizen on the other side of another of the other country where who has the you know the legal jurisprudence or the the what do you call that the uh their responsibility when it's not just a citizen this is somebody who's acting on, on as the agent of the, of the state. state he's a federal agent yeah he and works for the government he's like it an would, agent of the state it would be killed somebody yeah and it would be it would be just as or if it, it would probably be more complicated if it was two citizens but since it's an agent of the state at that point then the state killed somebody in another country like we do with drone strikes all the time and there's zero retaliation essentially and uh, yeah that's a tough one man because i don't know what's the right thing to do there i mean you're not gonna extradite this border patrol agent to mexico and stand trial over there i mean that's that's not gonna happen no so yeah what do you do that's a that's a weird situation so even if we can't postulate on how it would be different if it were American citizens in mm-hmm. this case, right, we are seeing in this original example of the smugglers in on the border yeah. that these are coming closer to home and they're limiting our rights as American citizens, our constitutionally protected rights, right, however you want to define that at this time, however you want to put it, it's coming closer and closer all the time, right? At first, or the most recent one after this or before this was was this Mexican teenager. Yep. And I'm sure it was a little bit easier. People were real upset. It was during the Trump administration. So a lot yeah. of that AP article is even about, like, you know, the militarization of the Border Patrol and stuff like that. So that's a lot of the take there. So it, it even seems like the focus which is even shifted from that, of the oh, people's yeah. rights to, well, the militarization of the border, right? Which is it's an issue in and of itself, but that doesn't... It doesn't seem like the real issue at hand. Yeah, that's here. a separate for issue. Trees. Yeah, and forest for the trees. Yeah, definitely yeah. on that one. And and I would beg everyone to keep their their eyes open for things like this. And so we'll go to the bottom of the article, and we can talk about kind of the end ruling for this year. Um, Ule notified. Oh well, it's. Um, Rooms of the inn are named after famous smugglers and other notorious individuals, and a black SUV used by the inn to transport customers to the property has the personalized license plate smuggler. Boulay makes money by picking up guests who sometimes travel long distances, charging them for lodging, even if they never intend to stay, Thomas said, inserting a photo of bunk beds in one room of the property. But Boulay has also served as an informant for the U.S. government, and parts of the documents filed in the high court case were redacted. Boulay's lawyers have said he has a long-standing cooperative relationship with the U.S. government and has alerted officials to people of interest. Excuse me. So interesting. That even adds another layer to it that even if you rap for them, they don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. Even if you work with them, they don't give a fuck about you. That's that's your people, man. If you aren't actually an agent of the state, they don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> this should surprise nobody. Yeah, and even if they are, they still even if you are, they still don't give a fuck about yeah. you. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, in March 2014, Boulay told Border Patrol agent Eric Egbert that a guest arriving at the inn was from Turkey. Egbert was suspicious that the guest would travel over 7,500 miles to stay at a rundown bed and breakfast. And when the guest arrived, he went to the property to investigate. Boulay asked him to leave, but Egbert allegedly threw him to the ground, injuring him. After determining the guest was legally in the country, Egbert left. The guest ultimately crossed into Canada illegally the same night. Wow. Insult to injury. So... Lay notified. So that's okay. So that's what I was talking about, right? After determining the guest was legally in the country. So that means he asked you to leave and you still, you, even if you didn't take the documentation, you still asked for documentation after somebody asked you to leave their residence, right? <clears throat> I don't know. I get, I'm sure that there was arguments of, um, what do they call that? Like a reasonable suspicion. Oh, you know, yeah. Something was going on. Um, so exigent circumstances, maybe. Right. right. We notified Egbert's supervisors and told, oh, this, um, what is the property? The guest ultimately crossed in Canada legally the same night. Blay notified Egbert's supervisors and filed an administrative claim about the rough treatment. And Blay says Egbert retaliated by making reports about him and his business to merit various state and federal agencies, including the Internal Revenue Service. But no agency found Blay did anything wrong. Meanwhile, after a year-long investigation, the Border Patrol took new action, no action against Egbert. So the person who did all of this, nothing was even done. There wasn't even any internal actions that were taken against him. No. Nothing. So you literally... No course of action at all. You can't, I mean, you can, you can ask the Border Patrol to do something. Yeah. But they're not going to. And they put him through the, like, the whole ringer, man. Like, yes. talking about bringing. And found nothing. Yeah, and found nothing. So, for no reason, this person got put on blast by the U.S. government, investigated for, for a year, and then was like, oh, yeah, nothing. We didn't find anything, even though there was nothing to begin with either. Yeah. Belay sued, saying Edburn had violated his Fourth Amendment rights by using excessive force and his First Amendment rights by retaliating against him. A federal trial court ruled for Egbert, but an appeals court reversed the decision, and Egbert appealed to the Supreme Court. Mm. So, after the agent of the state doesn't get his way, then he appeals, goes to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court says, now nah, you good, bro. Oh you good. God, man. More and more power, dude. Less and less power in for ourselves. There's less and less individual liberties. They just keep getting stripped away day by day by day, case in, case out. I mean, I, I no way to see this other than that. I mean, this is just the state continuing to just do whatever the fuck they want to do and rolling right through citizens on their way to it. And then at the end of the day, nothing. They don't find anything. They don't do nothing. They don't, there's zero retaliation. There's zero uh, pushback at all that you can give at that point. Yeah. William, William Wallace. Wallace, from my experience as a former Fed cop, there's really two outcomes with suing the state slash government. Either they are not going to dispute it or tie it up for years in litigation. Yep. And they'll, yeah, just run it out and run it out and run it out until you run out of money yep. because they, they're running on your tax dollars. So yeah. you're paying their, for their lawyers as well as yours, even if you don't think it. Even if it that is feel so like it messed up. Yes. Yeah. 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 What's the old, you can't fight city hall? Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, they're going to use your tax dollars to fight back against you. Exactly. Well, f me, man. And we can move on. You have the next story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let me pull this up here yep, yep, real yep. quick. Oh, this one is so good. And I heard about this one earlier this week as well. I heard about it on the radio, and I was like, I'm not sure I even understand what I just heard on the radio. Right? Yeah. Washington State. Oh, excuse me. This is the Washington State Supreme Court made a, uh, a very interesting opinion recently that yeah. it's got some things going. So we're just going to read this from the OPB right now. 
I've, I went ahead and pulled up also the actual opinion from the Supreme Court, 37 pages, and we'll just say that the articles written about it uh, were quoted correctly. Okay. So we're not going to cover that entirely. But Washington State justices, race a factor in analyzing police stops. So a person's race and ethnicity must be taken into account when deciding whether they were free to leave an encounter with police. The Washington Supreme Court said this Thursday in its latest decision seeking to counteract bias in the justice system. The unanimous ruling concerned Palasum. Palasum. I'm probably mispronouncing that word. A man identified in court records as Asian Pacific Islander. When a Pierce County Sheriff's deputy found him sleeping in his car in Tacoma in, in 2019, some gave a false name and birthday, drove off as the deputy was checking for warrants, and crashed in someone's front yard. Whether some was free to leave when he did was a key point in this case. At his trial, he sought to suppress evidence of his false statements, saying they were made only after the officer detained him by implying that he was under investigation for car theft. In reality, the car was not stolen and the officer had no reason to detain, him, to detain him until after he sped off. The justices said, meaning the intentional detention was unlawful and a lower court judge should not have allowed evidence of the false statement in trial. So we'll just pause for a second. Right. What does that mean? What, right? what happened? So right. this guy was asleep in his car. The cops came and asked him for his ID and they all that ran, stuff. They, they ran his plates first. Because they assumed it. the car was stolen for some that, reason. Right, saw that it wasn't stolen. And at yeah. that point, they don't have any real reason to go and interact with him. No. Right? They have zero so reason just, whatsoever. Just completely leave him alone yep. and move on. Because it's not illegal to sleep in your car. Yeah. Whereas, I will go a little deeper than that. I think the cop could have interacted with him if he wanted to and say, hey, man, do you, what's going on? You know, you know you, you're tired. Are you know, you, you want to. Yeah, going what's on? going on? Yeah. You know, and if you got nothing to hide, you got nothing to hide. Maybe you can actually help a dude. Maybe his fucking car's broke down and he's just passed out there waiting for somebody to come get him. Yeah. Who knows? There's a million different reasons. Last thing you need to do is go tell this guy that he's he's suspected of, you know, this is a stolen car or, you know, what's going on? Yeah. For just sitting in your car sleeping? I don't, not into that. No. But you could, you know, potentially have an interaction with somebody like that as a police officer in a positive manner. But... It doesn't involve you going and running the plates and just go ahead and, you know, taking, I mean, that's state overreach is what that is. This is a law enforcement officer just diving into something that's essentially none of his business. He's got no probable cause other than a supposedly suspected case of car theft. And has the discretion to not do anything if he wants. To Indeed. Move, to move on with his night and find something better that actually maybe deserves his attention or someone who could like actually use his help. Yeah. Who maybe is in trouble or something. Yeah. And so we'll get it. We'll get into it further into the article, but um, the result of this ended up in a search of his vehicle, in yes. which case a gun was found that he was not supposed to have, apparently, right. so for one know, reason or another. Do we know, does it say in here if it was like unregistered to him or if he just wasn't? Because I know Washington, right, is very particular about like if you don't have your concealed pistol license, you aren't supposed to have a loaded gun in your car. Yeah. You're supposed to have everything separate and like in its own box and everything. And you're not even supposed to have it within arm's reach. It's supposed to be in your trunk and shit if you don't have a concealed pistol license. It's, they're very particular, you know. Yeah. So it could be. It doesn't really matter either way. It's kind of bullshit. Um, but I'm just curious whether it's a legitimate Oh, they don't even address that yeah, in this particular article. But, so. yeah, I think in the Seattle Times, it's all right. it doesn't really matter. They do. Weird. 
I don't know why it's not coming That's up. That's all right. Um, so anyways, we'll just carry on here. All right, where's some of this While the court may have reacted to the same conclusion in the case of a white defendant, it used... Wait a minute, did we skip that one? False statement trial. Yeah, whether the court might have reached the same conclusion in the case of a white defendant, it used the case to emphasize that people of color have different experiences with law enforcement, as borne out by data showing that police have long disproportionately arrested and used force against black people and other minority groups. Because of these experiences, they might have different perspectives regarding whether they are free to leave an encounter with officers. This makes minority status one factor in determining whether a person has been, quote-unquote, seized by law enforcement, the court said. I, I want to take a second because I want to point out that they are now, and I can't speak for this particular outfit, right? There's a mm-hmm. outfit. But the, the narrative throughout the entirety of George Floyd, right, is that police are murdering black people. Yes. Police are murdering black people indiscriminately and just all of the time. It's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. But now they're drawing this really fine distinction that has been the argument of conservatives throughout the entirety of George Floyd. Is that certainly there is evidence that they have been disproportionately interacted with police officers. There's been a lot of aggression, things like that. But you can't say, and that's why they didn't say in this article, that black people are killed more often than white people because you can't say that. Statistically, yeah. there is an evidence for him to believe that the police officers are going to kill him. There isn't statistical evidence of that, and that's why they can't say that in this article. Yes. Even though throughout the entirety of George Floyd, that, that's been the whole argument, right? Is that the, the cops are killing black people. They're killing black people all over the place. I yeah. just want to make sure that that's evident, that the, the language is so important in this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. The way they're choosing for this to be written. Yep. And so let's continue. Quote, today we formally recognize that what has been true in interaction with law enforcement, race and ethnicity matter, Justice Mary Yu wrote. Therefore, courts must consider the race and ethnicity of the alleged seized person as part of the totality of the circumstances when deciding whether there was a seizure. Seizure. Yes. So that's the other important part about this. This is all after you've already been hand up and are in court. That's why the, the court has to determine whether or not your race or ethnicity had anything to do with you, your responses and interactions with the police. After when, the fact. After the fact, yes. Someone so, needs to judge whether or not you or the police officer acted, your actions were um, influenced by your feelings or their feelings about these historical interactions that the two communities have with each other. So even though... <laughs> That's crazy. So the, the judge has to then decide what was in your brain when this happened. If you thought yeah. that you were afraid that you were going to die or if the police officer thought, oh, maybe I'll fucking kill this guy today because he's black. Like, yeah. And what, I mean, what, the, what yeah. are we doing here? And because the problem here is that if you are a member of a historically oppressed minority, if you will, yes. that has, uh, as they put, uh, shown out through the data to have more you know, interactions with police neg- in a negative fashion, then... I, I, just, I still don't understand because you're already being charged. You're already in court, but we're going to be more lenient on you because of essentially historical oppression with the police. But if you're not a member of one of those my marginalized categories, you don't get that benefit of the doubt. And there's like, no you way that you were scared. You, if no you are a white person, you cannot be afraid of like when the cops come to you because right. you know statistically they're not going to kill you. Right. Um, no. At all. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, I'm sure that some people, 
I mean, hell, you sit there over the last few years and you're told by all the media institutions out there that if you're a black person, you can't go outside because police are trying to hunt you down. Some people, after a number of years of being told that every single day, day in and day out, seeing it on social media, are going to believe that shit themselves. Right. And that's not okay. The truth of the matter is the state, the agent of the state, the law enforcement officer, is trying to hem you up, period. It doesn't matter what color you are. Right. If they are pulling you over, if they are going to initiate some form of a interaction, they are acting as a law enforcer of the state. And you are the subject of their, I don't know what you're going to call it. I don't want to say it's like a, always a negative interaction, but just as it is, you are in a negative position because the state's coming after you, period. Period. It doesn't yes. matter what, what color you are. It, either way, like if I get pulled over, I would hope that I am just as nervous and on edge as anyone else that gets pulled over by a cop. Because you, you don't know what kind of day this cop's had. You don't know if he's going to give you a warning. You may not even know why you got pulled over. Yeah. You know, and you don't have no idea how this is going to go. You're just going to try to do the, the best you can, act as calm as you can, and just try to get in and get out and... Hopefully you don't walk away with like a $350 ticket or some shit. I don't know. I'm, it's just not a good – I feel like you're – by focusing in so much on the aspect of race and ethnicity, you're removing the fact that most people are intimidated by the authority of the state. Yeah. And that's the real problem here. But then you get into the court at this point because this has already been ruled. This was ruled Thursday. The opinion's out. It's done. So if you're in that position and you're – not a member of a marginalized, a historically marginalized group of people, you don't get the benefit of the doubt for being fucking terrified because you're in an interaction with a police officer. Right. Even uh, if you've even if you've taken the last two years to look at a lot of the statistics, yeah. look at the interactions and see that actually, again, statistically, you have a higher likelihood of being killed by a police officer than all this narrative that you've heard of the last two years. Yeah. That doesn't matter because you don't have the historical context that would line up with that. No. So you don't really have a reason to be. I can personally attest that I am much more nervous to interact with police officers since I started carrying a firearm because I don't. Because you don't know how, for, like you said, you don't mm. know how they're going to react. No. People are jumpy about that type of shit. Yep. We talked about, I was talking to Trenton about it, Flano Castile. Flano Castile yeah. had a concealed pistol license and everything in his car. He was actively communicating with a police officer and still got shot in front of his wife and his kid. Yep. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care what color you are. They don't care if you have a license. They don't care if you're trained. They don't care if you're anything. They don't care if they have you, like the guy in the hotel, crawling on your hands and knees oh. and you're trying to pick up your pants. They will shoot you in the fucking head because yep. they are scared and they have the power and they can do what they want and they won't get charged in the end. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. It's not well, a good situation. Matter. The other aspect of this I thought was really interesting, this whole case, is the guy, after he... Well, the the main argument behind this is whether or not he, this individual knew he could walk away from that scenario without having to go through the standard ordeal with this police officer. Yes. He literally could have been like, no, man, I'm, I'm, you know, there's no reason he should have. He's terrified, I guess, apparently. So he gives him a fake name and birthday and stuff. But that's not inherently illegal to do that unless you no. are actively under arrest. But if you're just having a conversation with a cop about something there's nothing says you have to continue to be there unless he is doing like a, you know, if it's a traffic stop, right. that's a whole nother situation, something like that. Cause you're already being, what's the right word? You're already involved with a law enforcement. I don't even know what you would call that. Like you're already in a situation now. Like if you're getting pulled over there, you're being 
not arrested, but you're you're, you're being controlled by the state. Suspected already of doing something wrong. Yes, um, you're yeah, and so they need to do the whole thing, and so you're kind of it's not even like being detained, but right. it's similar along those lines. You don't really have the freedom to just go away. Like right. if a cop pulls you over, you got to pull over. And that's why you can't just flee. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's by thinking. Speaking to your point, right? And uh, we can turn it to school or to anything that we run, right? We're, when we are told... I still don't like interacting with cops. When we are told about police officers, we are told just do what they say. Yeah. Just listen and just do what they say, right? Our knowledge and our, the things we're taught about police officers is is their power. It's not your power. It's not your power, your right, your ability in this situation to mm -hmm. control yourself and control this interaction all within your own rights without putting yourself in a compromised position. Those are not the things that we're told. Yeah. We as a society, as individuals, need to be empowered with the knowledge of the rights yes. that we have to control that situation in every possible manner yeah right? that was gonna be my next point is you know i don't know if there is a i'm pretty sure there's not a generalized knowledge of when it is okay to walk away from a cop no everybody just assumes that if a cop's talking to you you're you're right there say you're yes, involved officer. i gotta do it yep, i gotta you just say yes yeah. officer yes sir do you can i and that's even like you don't have to agree to a search of your car when they if they ask yeah. you can i search your vehicle no you cannot search my vehicle not without you, a warrant you, baby you saying no is not reason enough for them to have probable cause, cause to search your vehicle yeah right you, you did just the simple denial of the search is not reason enough for them to be suspicious yeah people don't know that so they just say yes and get themselves into situations all the fucking time yep. when they could just say no I, i'm on my way i got shit i want to do i actually don't have to have a reason for you to not do it i just don't want you in my fucking shit yeah. because you don't have the right to just search my vehicle you don't have the right to just search my things it's the same deal as if you have a lockbox in your car they can't force you to open the lockbox in your car yep it's a locked thing that's its own entity you got to get a warrant for that locked box yes. in your car yep. people don't know that shit they just they don't know yeah. these things and with the laws being so complicated i mean there's a uh i'd have to look it up real quick there's a uh an essay from an anarchist um i've been going through uh the anarchist handbook recently at max sterner okay and he was talking about um kind of it's a different set of subjects, but, you know, essentially a citizen's relationship with a state, you are essentially you're born into state control. So you are then subject to all the laws thereof. And he was making an argument that any given citizen should be able to understand what it is that they are agreeing to and uh, being a part of the system. And so if you got, you know, he makes a reference to English common law and it's like 50 editions back then. And it's like, you know, they're all 1500 pages or whatever. It's like, how is any normal citizens supposed to be able to understand and comprehend what right. they can and cannot do and the u.s legal code is far more complex than that at right. this point how is anybody truly supposed to know what they can and can't do until they actually break a law in that giant like if you were to print out all legal just in the federal code you couldn't and all on like index cards you probably could overfill this entire house right and that's that's not how is any citizen supposed to know what they can and can't do at this point and this guy he freaked out he drove off ended up crashing into somebody's yard which then he had already you know he you know he uh ran from authorities right then which, it's yeah because then, then it's, it's a problem <laughs> yeah and so after he, he he ran he crashed then the cops then had um you know reasonable suspicion or whatever it is to be able to search his vehicle and then they found a firearm that he was not technically allowed to have for one, for reason, one reason or another, or another. Yeah. and so now he's getting hemmed up they did drop the initial charge um of the uh false fine statement in the beginning 
But at that point, they're like, scared. well, yeah, dude, we have you on a gun charge now, so we don't care if you lie to the cop in the beginning of it. So it's not a good situation. Not a good situation. Just another example of a problematic relationship between the citizenry and the state. Once again, confusion in who has the authority and what your rights are as a citizen. Not awesome. Yeah, it's 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 like um, I don't know. Speaking to your point of how is anyone supposed to understand all of these laws, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's why I started to look at like I don't know if it's schools or parents or what, you know. However, whoever teaches you, whoever taught you, because it could be at school, it could be your parents, it could be whoever who whoever taught you how to interact with police officers. That's who's at fault here. Whoever's teaching children the way or people the way they should interact with police officers is is at fault and it's i it's not even necessarily their fault if they don't know either but the the positive aspects of the rights and not de the defensive aspects of your rights mm -hmm. needs to be what is the more common knowledge yeah you know? and i like this from uh our great friend william willis he says great question to ask if there if things get squirrely am i being arrested or detained Right. Just put it out there right now, you know, get a good indication of what this police officer is thinking is happening right now. And if he says no, I'll be like, all right, so I'm free to go. Right. All right. Well, you know, bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not, it just, it really frustrates me, man. I don't, I'm very uncomfortable with authority, um, especially arbitrate, ar arbitrary authority from the state. It just, I don't like the fact that anybody they're human just like we are and they have bad days they have you know they got families they got a whole thing what if he was up with a screaming baby all night and he's, what if he's in a bad situation with his wife or the if you know husband or whatever the case has got going on and and now they have to interact with you from a point of high authority with essentially the authority to use lethal force as well right like i don't i don't like that situation it does not set up a good doesn't lay the groundwork for a good interaction between the two of you. No, it no, does not. And, and we'll talk more about that. Obviously, when we talk about Uvalde, you know, yeah. and parents interacting with police officers and oh, the power so dynamic bad. and the structure in that relationship. Yeah. Um, it, because it gets all of these things fall into a common theme of you, all of us being put at the further mercy of the state, mm -hmm. whether it is through the enforcement wing of the police officers or whether it's in the actual enforcement of the law depending on your race right because as yeah. we've seen and will wallace pointed out they they have just re-ingrained discrimination into our law in washington yep. again e even further we have we have the equity council that helps craft law that helps you know they look over the laws they look over everything that everybody does certainly within the actual state yep. of of the way that people are interacting they help craft the curriculum for the school districts within the state to make sure that everything is falling within the you know the emotional and social learning uh aspects of of their guidance and that's mm -hmm. that's a whole portion of our government is just equity and inclusion equity and inclusion equity and inclusion the equity and, inc and inclusivity council along with social and emotional learning is a huge situation yeah well and i mean you know it it we should have seen this coming when there's a clip in 
Benjamin Boyce's documentary of the Equity Council, and they're crafting what their definition of racism is going mm -hmm. to be. And the original one they can't go with because it doesn't include anything about about whiteness. Pimp that documentary that, real quick. It is the Evergreen documentary done by Benjamin A. Boyce on YouTube. It's twenty something parts. It's all about the they're all those small small parts broken into a longer documentary. It probably is like two and a half hours if you put it all together. Um, but it's all about the situation with Brett Weinstein, Brett Weinstein at Brett Weinstein at Evergreen College and the breakdown and the chaos that happened there. I cannot recommend it highly enough, along with all of the other videos that Benjamin Boyce does. They're all incredible. Mm -hmm. He's having m very, very important discussions right now with people who <laughs> mine just did that too. <laughs> with people who are detransitioning and the experiences they have had to try and break through the lies that are being spread through corporate media. Yeah, he's a he's a fantastic character, man. I really like him. I don't I I can't believe that he isn't more well known. Yeah. But he's just such a quiet dude having very normal conversations, just a split screen, two people talking about just their experience. So yeah. it almost yeah, Boyce Benjamin A. Boyce. That's right. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, and I will. Um, let's link to one of his things in the chat there. Yeah, um, can do. I, I can send you a link to it through the signal, and that'll probably be easier. Yeah, um, that's no problem. Yes, Easy, Benjamin squeezy. A. Boyce, and I will link to the first video of that documentary. Actually. Nice. That'll be the best way to go about it. Yep. That's great so, series, man. Go the complete evergreen story is what it is called. Whoop whoop. Yep, so sorry, everyone. This was obviously unexpected. He, uh, speaking of just uh, Brent Weinstein, uh, they he just did a massive oh, shit. I have few... Up. I'll just go to the chat and put it in there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, he just got done with a massive conference over in... Uh, 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 oh, I can't remember. Over Overseas somewhere with a bunch of uh, COVID frontline doctors and stuff like that, talking about some of the current problems going on in the kind of healthcare and say pharma arena. And I can't recommend those enough. Excellent. So yeah. there you go. I just put, and the link should be coming in just a second. Cause I just posted that as well. So. Oh, work. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. man. Everybody, Everybody watch that stuff. It's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, Benjamin, a voice, voice on YouTube. So yeah. And will, I'm not going to give you no shit for trying to be a cop. If you want to be a cop again, because I, although I have a very, I have a, I have a principal position on policemen and law enforcement, I also understand that I live in a reality that is not my utopian dream. And I would rather have more people like you, more people like our friend Caleb that are on law enforcement who I trust as human beings and I, I can trust them to make better decisions than a standard rando. I'd yeah. rather have people like that in a police force because I know that there's not going to be no police force i would rather have the good people there and so that that would be good i like it when people i know are cops well, you know officer brian officer brian's a great dude yes if there's anybody that i want to be a cop it's officer brian because i know that at his core he's a good guy and he's not going to be hemming nobody up that doesn't need to be hemmed up it's you know it's i think if we had more of those type of people that that would be a better situation the link is not posting oh no um, I could pull it up real quick. Yeah. He's like, I was one of the good cops, bro. I actually gave a damn. Man, I believe you, man. Yeah. I believe you. Oh, there it is. I'll post it up this way. Yeah. Copy, copy, copy. No, and we talked, yeah, I don't know. We talked about the cop thing and 
yeah it, I thought it's about that complicated for a while um it is complicated it's a very big decision um i was you know we could talk about it for a second prior to COVID, i was like very i think i told you guys 99.5 percent sold like i was like very convinced that that's what i wanted to do was to be a police officer oh you were that, close man um yeah and i just especially once all the george floyd shit happened mm -hmm. you know the the way that they were being treated was horrific uh the way that they were treating people during covid was horrific yeah. um and i started to have a lot of questions of having a job that cuts against your morals and being asked to do things that cut against your morals and whether or not i wanted to invest time in a job in which i would be asked to do something or else lose my job you know um especially then all the, the vaccine mandates and all that type of shit start popping off and yeah so, i just got more and more negative items in the uh, the pros and cons column yes yeah i think that was ultimately a good decision for you yeah because and it's tough too because a lot of times if you don't really if you don't really sit down and have multiple conversations and go into like a deep conversation and deep thought about that path a lot of the the a lot of the people that want to do something do things on a very surface level, and then they don't right. truly get an understanding of what it is they're getting into until they're already into it. I mean, and that's not just in the career field, but like in all aspects of life. And I feel like there was a different conversation we were having about cops back then, yes. and as we saw more and more different. things, yeah, fundamentally different. And you know, you just you through conversation and through time and research and experience you have a better understanding for what the reality of that situation is. And then you, you can finally make up your mind about something. Right. It's hard to make up your mind about something when you don't actually know the deep ins and outs of it. I don't want to just say blanket statement. Like you don't know what you're talking about, no, but I, no, at the I end of the day, that, we don't, I think surface level is a good way to put that because when I, the thing that made me so activated about that was that I wanted to do better. I just yeah. wanted to be a better police officer than what we were seeing. Like, I want to have positive interactions with the people and yep. not hem people up for dumb shit and use the discretion that you have to not go to people's cars if you don't need to go to people's cars and do shit like that. And that, like you said, isn't, isn't the true reality of being a police officer, especially yeah. in 2022, you know? That wasn't the reality of it in 2019 when we were having that discussion, and it especially isn't the reality of it in 2022 no. now. Um, Vastly it's different. completely different discussion. So, hmm. yeah. My coffee's cold. Uh, oh, I'm surprised. <laughs> where's your, where's your heat-em-up? Where's, where's the heat-em-ups? Oh, I, uh, I, it was acting up, so I, uh, I changed it out. I, got, I, I think it's now a candle warmer okay. in, in my wife's studio. Oh. Works I just it wouldn't activate whenever when I, when I got my big mug and I put it on it it was like a it's supposed to activate automatically and it just kind of quit working one day so I was like ah, I don't know. and then she goes over there and puts a candle on it and it works perfect I'm like the well, big good it's probably too heavy man that might be it's probably not used to such a fucking beast of a it's mug it's a beast mug that's probably the biggest mug I've mug. ever seen it's because it's got large undulates on it it has to be big <laughs> that's right large undulates undulates is such a great word it's my favorite. That's great. Oh, speaking of, I had a, I we're getting ready to wrap this segment up. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we'll just go out on a light note. I was uh, having a conversation about large undulates earlier this week, probably with you, Chad. Um, we were talking about like moose, or and then I was Common listening to uh, topic. indeed undulates. <laughs> large undulates. Yes, large undulates are a very big topic in this household. 
which is a weird <laughs> thing to think about. You guys are freaks. <laughs> You'll be there. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. By the end of the summer, you're going to be like, all right, um, so let's talk undulates. I'm going home. You guys see those fucking undulates out there? Look at that tiny little undulate. I'm just not going to call them deer anymore. I'm just going to refer to everything categorically as an undulate. Yeah, it's just a really large undulate. If you don't know, then you can't be in this conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that, I, I think I was listening to... Uh, no, it was a Joe Rogan thing. It was the Joe Rogan episode on uh, Flagrant. Flagrant. Oh, uh, where Schultz they were talking about hunting. The sh- Dude, that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, some people just shouldn't smoke weed. <laughs> but uh, that's all I'm going to say about that episode. But they, yeah, he started going hard up about like moose and how moose are terrifying and really aggressive and yes. they will just stomp you to death yes. if they don't like the look of you. And that is basically a horse with giant, you know. 1990 satellite dishes from fucking direct tv as yeah. you know with sharp jagged edges on them and shit I think like Joe that called them saloon doors saloon, saloon doors, doors on his head. yes <laughs> the saloon doors on yeah. his head yeah they're terrifying man you gotta have respect for those things i saw one earlier this week it was like a it was a picture not a video of a car that hit one but usually you hit a moose you basically knock the legs out from underneath that and the entire body and the right. antlers, everything comes smashing down and it's usually a deadly situation for the human. Right. And but this one, you saw it, the car was stopped, you could see like the the skid marks and stuff like that. And here's this moose ten feet in the air, upside down. Just legs up, flipping over. Must have hit it just right, must have hit it like a glance. I don't know how you get like a I don't know, what's a What's a moose weigh? Like sixteen hundred pounds? That's the yeah. That's what they said in flavor. It was like fourteen to sixteen hundred pounds. Yeah, and it and then it's flying in car. the air, rolling. That's how much force you got to hit with that thing. That's crazy. So on that note, let's get out of here. Segment one. Let's yes. wrap it up. We'll put a bow on it. That's right, Zeke. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. That's right. Everyone who's here, don't go anywhere. This is how this works. We'll be back in three minutes for part two. We'll be talking about Roe v. Wade, the leaked draft opinion. All that stuff. It's going to be great. Work. Back in just a few minutes for part two. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Welcome to the south of the streets. Coming at you every week. We just keep it thought.